This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Last week we had our very own Chuck Coleman, all right, our resident bass player, amen. Uh, Chuck, uh, come on up, Chuck. Chuck started last Sunday night on uh, teaching a series. Come on, let's hear it for Chuck. He's our brother, amen. He started last Sunday night. Uh, kind of going into a little more depth on some things from my dad and mom's new book uh, regarding prayer, leadership, and unity on being able to navigate the end times and and how to know our position. And Chuck and Heidi have their have an old, their own ministry that they've launched out into Kingdom of Heaven Outreach Ministries, and doors are starting to open up. And we're just blessed to have them to be a part of our own local church family right here in Barstow. And we know mm-hmm. God's going to use them in a big way, but we're gonna. Uh, we're going to support that, and we're going to be blessed and receive from that gift also. So anyway, I'm going to just give it over to Chuck and let him take us through the Word tonight and expound on what God has been showing him. Amen. So let's hear it for our brother one more time, can we? Amen. All right. Love Thank you, my man. Yeah, brother. Thank you, Pastor Dave. This is an awesome honor to be up here two Sundays in a row. Two in a row. Two in a row. Praise God. All right. Can you hear me Okay. That was awesome praise and worship. You know, I was thinking of taking the worship song and when it says we or our, when you're singing these worship songs, take them and personalize them out of the confession of your mouth saying, my heart reaches out to you. I want to sing and I want to praise you. When we personalize that, we actually take that song, what is there, and make it personal as our relationship with Him individually. And then when we come together in unity as one, then we come in and say we. But we have to get past the I and the our and the us to me and I to worship you, Lord. Thank you. I am going to open up. Before I pray, I'm, no, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I, dear th- I definitely thank you and I praise you, Lord, for an opportunity to be here tonight. I thank you that your spirit is alive and well in my life and not only in my life, but High Desert Word Center, Lord. And you are doing miracles throughout this land. In this church, you're bringing people into unity so we can experience a major move from you, Father, throughout this land. We love you and thank you for your goodness and your unfailing love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the mid-range that's making that hum, guys. I am going to go into some place we generally don't go to. Genesis chapter 11. Now, I want to show you something here on Genesis chapter 12. You see all these beautiful markings? Any of you that have children know that this is highly possible when you're reading something. They can find that marker and just go to town. I found that. As I was going to go over here, this is a very, um, God put it in the Bible about the Tower of Babel for some reason, and he, maybe to let us know about chain, how all of the different nations and lung, tongues and languages happened. But I'm going to start here really quick. I'm going to be pretty brief over here because last week I got caught off guard on how much time uh, blew by and not left available, so I have fail safes in my message to go to where we need to end up. Verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, 
And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. I want to highlight one little point right here, because we are talking about unity tonight. I'm going to touch a little bit over there on leadership. Barely, just to bring a recap. But the unity right here is, and they all have one language, and this, I can hear the Lord saying, and this is what they do. They're building a tower to reach into the heavens. And the Lord's saying, this is what they do with the oneness and the unity that they have. And God wasn't going to have that because they were thinking in selfish terms and selfish motives. They wanted to make a name for themselves and they were saying, us trying to accomplish this task. I have my phone here with an app on it and I'm going to touch this just a second. I do want to read that. got to get out all these things. Come, let us build on verse 4, a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens and let us Make a famous name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered. This is all selfishness happening right here at the Tower of Babel. This whole nation was being selfish, self-centered, not including God in what they were doing. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up here is because how often are we building things and how often are we doing things that generally does not have God involved with that? We can look back in our history of our lives and maybe we went to college, maybe we dated somebody, maybe we did something we didn't, you know, we did on our own, but was God involved in that? In this message of unity, we are leading towards having God involved in every area and aspect of our life, in our home, our family, our church, being one with God. And that is what I'm hitting on and that is what... Um, uh, pastors, when they wrote the book, their focus was, I want to finish and let me see, name for ourselves so that they will not be scattered into separate groups and be dispersed over the surface of the entire earth as the Lord instructed. God did tell them to go out and populate the earth, the whole earth, but they were trying to disobey God. They were doing the opposite of what God asked them to do. And they didn't want that, and God did it anyway. He just he scattered them, gave them different language, asked for a pick, and he got a shovel, and asked for a shovel, he got a sledgehammer. I mean, God, and then they all went in their groups, and there's our establishment of our, our different languages and tongues. I just wanted to touch on that because this is an evidence, or something that happens when we try and build something on our own, Accord without involving God. We try to build a if we try to build a ministry without God, uh, you're probably gonna fail. 
or you're going to be struggling the whole time along the way. If you're trying to build a relationship and get married and you're doing it without God, it's going to be struggle, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. The point is, God needs to be a part of our decisions and of what we're going to do. Or else it's going to be tough. I know some of us have enough willpower to fight through and to make it happen and just keep on going, plow off to the end and and die. But with when God's in it, it is so much more easier. Such a much more easier flow. Especially when you're talking about marriage and then you're bringing in kids and then you're in church and you're working all of these aspects out in your life. If you want to serve God. If you don't want to serve God and you got two people that get married because they think it's a good idea... First of all, if you're not serving the Lord and you're not a Christian, as the world thinking is why even get married. God is the one that established marriage and covenant. The world would think, oh, why get married? I can have my cake and eat it too, and I don't have to be bound and under covenant. But as soon, the devil don't care about that. You can do that, but as soon as you get married, oh man, why are we arguing so much? Why is this so bad? Because now you've, and you may not even be Christians, but, or Christians, but now all of a sudden there's a covenant involved that God established, and now there's going to be fighting and bickering and things change. A child will come along, then, whoa, I want to do this with my kid, I want to do that with my kid. I, I explained to someone one time, a single individual, I said, you know, you have your life when you're doing your own thing. When you get married, Half of you disappears. And now you gotta become with that individual. And now you have children, uh, more of you is going. More of you is going, more of you is gone. Now you're trying to reestablish who you are again within the parameters of a spouse and children. And my wife and I, we are coming in back after our explosion of children and coming back to who we are again in Christ. And with a family and a husband and wife trying to put it back together and follow Jesus and be one with each other and one with the Lord. Because there's a major transformation that happens when all of that goes on. So if you're single, you have options and know that uh, you can be as Paul and just go out there and minister or get married and enjoy the pleasures of challenges. And then rediscovering back who you are. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 14. I like it. I could have given them the scriptures, but they will, we'll figure it out. And you all should have your Bibles. I like paper. I, I'm in unity with pastors on this. I like being able to touch something tangible. I like my Bible. I do. I, no, I just don't like it. I mean, in the world sense, I like it as in I love it. I have like three of them, and I have a couple different ones on my app, so I can get into different aspects, different understanding of what they're reading and what they're saying, what the teacher's saying. Verse 11, And he himself, who's he? Jesus, gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the ministry, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We still have fivefold ministry. We still have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Each one of those has a different um, anointing to expound on, to fulfill what God has called them to do. And the reason why I bring this up is because key scripture here, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. The unity portion of this is the reason why God gave us all of those individual ministry, fivefold ministry gifts. I, I did a quick little touch up here. Remember, we're talking about unity. We're talking about oneness. We're talking about harmony. We're talking about agreement. I want to know how many churches are in the United States. And so I Google the stats, say there's anywhere between 300 to 330,000 churches. That's a lot of churches. Are they all in unity? I would have to think not. Because we're still here. Until We have not come to the full stature of the knowledge of God and knowledge of Christ. So, until we all come to the unity of Christ and the fullness of His understanding, will it ever happen? Don't know, but people will come into unity with God's Word. In 1990, 85% of Americans polled said they were Christian. By 2020, they say 65% say they're Christians. Now, with that being said, you can look at elections and you can see what's going on in the world. Just because you say you're a chicken doesn't mean you're going to lay an egg. Just because you're an eagle doesn't mean you're soaring like a turkey. I tell you what, just because you say something doesn't mean you really are. The fruit defines who you are. The fruit of your mouth, the fruit of our lips, the fruit of our tongue defines us as who we are. So, yeah, they say that because they don't want to say, you know, and I'm, uh, I worship at the first church of Satan, or I, I don't want to be a Mormon, I don't want to be a Buddhist, I don't want to do that, so they're going to say I'm Christian. Because it's the, it's the cool thing to do. Jesus ain't looking for cool people. He's looking for men and women of faith. Men and women that confess that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. That's who he's looking for. That is who we're going to unify with in the Spirit. So I tell you what, Kingdom of Heaven Outreach, Outreach Ministries is a, a ministry. I don't even have this on my notes. But I promise you, I'm not going to bunny trail too far out because I do want to get to some points. I don't want to ask and plead and beg for a third time. Okay, I didn't even ask him, beg and plead. I just put it out there because you never know what the Lord's going to say or do. Because I don't, I don't, I'm not that kind of an individual. Kingdom of Heaven Outreach Ministries is about going to different local churches and different places to stir up the gift within them in that area to reach out to the lost in their area. Uh, going to at different communities of ethnic groups, I set up stage. I will set up stage, and I will back off and let the ministers minister to their area. 
I have enough power. I can crank, I can crank that thing up and I bet all of Barstow can hear it. Cause we got calls from a mile away over in Hinkley and they said, Hey, can you guys turn that down a little bit? I said, I was just testing it out and I was only halfway. I said, and it was crystal clear. Praise God. Uh, so in that unification project, uh, process that Kingdom of Heaven Outreach Ministries would like to see happen was all these different fires starting in different areas and different location. Want to see it come together in one. Okay, we're going to have an annual event. We might have to rent the sports park, do something different, but are we recording this? Oh, just on that, not going live. I kind of want to hijack what Barstow's already doing on the 4th of July, when they're already getting everybody together, when they're already doing their thing, and Newberry, they get pull everybody together on their foot, and just, bam, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Looking for an opportunity, and not be afraid of it. Um, not sure how this 4th of July is going to happen, or the 3rd out of Newberry, not sure, because... They shut it down. All they're going to do is fireworks. And I go, can I go to the college? They go, well, talk to the dean. Haven't had that conversation yet. So I want to see that happen. I'm looking to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that need to hear a gospel of hope, a gospel of peace, a gospel after a year and a half of COVID. People need to hear that there is hope out there and that Jesus still loves them, and Jesus still loves us. He is still our Lord and Savior. COVID didn't change the Lord. He's a God, and He will not change. He is fully ready, willing, and able to reach out and save the lost. Just waiting for people to get out there and do it. Amen? That's where unity comes into play. Comes to pass. Unity is the condition of two or more parts being united into a single whole part. That is unity. When this High Desert Word Center focuses on being one with pastors, one with the Word, the Spirit of God can move in that type of environment. The Spirit of God, God is willing to move. He wants to move in that area. His God's desire is to, for us to be one accord, to be in unison, to move. He wants to move across this land. Pastor um, Bernie, in his book, talked about a major move of God with the Israelites being enslaved by Egypt. For years, upon years. Finally, I mean, they just got tired of it. They realized that their God can deliver them. They had someone probably remind them of the Abrahamic covenant. And they came in unison, came together, and started praying to heaven, praying to God that they would get delivered. And then all of a sudden, this shepherd man, about 80 years old, was doing what he was supposed to do, He left Egypt, talking about Moses. He left Egypt. He's out there doing his thing, and all of a sudden there's a bush burning off in the distance. He approached, and God told him to take off his shoes, for this is the holy place. And this is where the message 
that's where the leader came in, the deliverer came of Israel. God wanted to deliver Israel from the Egyptians, so God established a leader in Moses. Forty years in the wilderness, wives and children and sheep. And I was thinking about that. So many things had to happen. Forty years, we think that's a long time, but in God's time, it's like, oh, that ju- I just blinked and that was forty years is gone. But the people of Egypt had to get ready and tired. They wanted, they needed to serve the God. They wanted to serve God. They needed to get to the point where they were broken down, distressed, and they wanted to, they wanted God. They didn't want that life anymore. They wanted God. How often do we go back to Egypt in our personal lives and try to get back? I want to do that. Oh man, I just want to go over there and do that. How often do we want to go back to the own individual Egypt in our life? But God wants to deliver us. He wants to pull us out of that time. And then Moses grew up in Egypt. You know the old saying, you can get the girl out of the trailer park, but you can't get the girl out of the, you can't get the trailer park out of the girl. But let's be, let's be common here and say, you can get the person out of the trailer park, but you can't get the person out of the trailer park. I would imagine that Moses had some stuff to get rid of over a time frame. Over 40 years. He had to get back to his roots in Christ. He had to come to the knowledge that, you know, this is all gone. And he's just going to do his thing, herd sheep, have babies and kids and wives and do whatever he's going to do. Then God calls him. Nope, time to go back to Egypt. But this time he's anointed. He's got a, a mouth. He has a voice to go back over there, have a little chat with Pharaoh, establish his leadership that God anointed him to pull them out of Egypt. The unity in the people established a leader. Of course, the people were praying. as praying first. Came into unity. Then God established a leader to go out and deliver them. It's a major move of God. It's not changing now because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. God wants His people, His church, to become unified in a single purpose and a single plan. And I'm going to get to that single plan here in just a minute because I'm just enjoying this. I'm nowhere near as nervous as I was, I was last, last week. I'm just loving it um, because I'm just, just loving God, man. John 17, 20 and 21. Let's get over there to old John. He's our little buddy. I did touch into that a little bit last week. When I was talking that Jesus is praying for us, which I, y'all should take a moment and go read uh, the whole Bible, or, or just John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying for you. On verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Through the word of the disciples who's passing it on. Now they become an apostles through their word. That they will, that they all may be as you, Father and I, Father, let me start over. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That they, that the world may believe that you sent me. Why is it important that we become one? So the world will see 
that God does not have a flaky church. We're doing something here on Sunday, but Monday does not reflect what we what we're doing on Sunday. Monday is just a a reflection of what we do on Sunday. When we come to church on Sunday, it's a reflection of what we should be doing throughout the whole week, praising and worshiping and thanking God that we're coming into unity. We're coming into a place where Josh fires up that piano or guitar, then all of a sudden, we don't have to worry about the day. We don't have to go 15, 20 minutes and forget about our kids' arguments, forget about our parents, forget about the, the marital spats we just gone on to. But we're in unity as a husband and a wife and a family and as a church. We come in here, bam, we're ready to go. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is unity. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is healing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is deliverance. When people see that we as a church are unified. Right now, I'm not going out. I'm not talking about Barstow. I'm talking about High Desert Word Center. Becoming unified in what God has called High Desert Word Center to do. And who God has called us to become in Him. When we unify and line up with His Word, we get one accord with Him. Miracles start happening. I tell you what. The more I read, the more excited I get. Because I know God confirms His Word through signs and wonders and miracles. He does it. And He wants, God wants, He doesn't want to hold back. What's holding God back? The timing? I don't know. It's could be us, possibly. It's, from what I hear, there are little um, spurts of revival and healings and stuff happening all over the nation. And I enjoy watching and reading that. I say, God... Barstow, we've been praying. I've been, I've been praying for Barstow since 1988. I don't know if you all have been praying for Barstow since 1988. I know Betty has. We've been going. We went to the same church. I got born in the same church, and she was going there. That's how long I know Betty. Awesome, time, development, and maturity. When Jesus prayed for us, we know we there's power in that prayer. Amos, we don't have to go there. Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together unless they agree? That is pretty um, prominent in Pastor's book, the heading of every page. Because why did he put it there? So that we can get it, get it in our spirit, and become one with the message. Become one with the Spirit of God. Become one with what God calls us to do. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Let's uh, zip on over there. Second Corinthians 6.14. You find it? You there? Is it there? Nope. So you got to be studious. you got to get it here. In your phone. In your paper. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Being unequally yoked is telling us that we need to pay attention to our friends. Man, I can't when you get born again, there's a time when you have to draw away from your friends. 
that you got to pull away. Guess what? They're not going to like you. They're going to call you a weirdo, a freak, a Jesus freak, a nutcase. And, and, and those are just using nice words. When I first got saved, I told my mom, smack right across the face. I go, all right, mom, I love you. I'm not, that didn't swipe the Jesus out of me. I'm going to endure the infl- affliction. I'm going to endure it. Knowing that that hurt my soul. Mainly because it rooted back to my dad. Not going to go there. But, nevertheless, there was some separation that I had to make. And I had to take. And I had to do. In order to exercise my faith in Christ. And to grow in the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's going to be times where you can get to go back to your friends. Now, we're talking about Moses going back to Egypt. Doesn't mean you get to go hang out in the bars thinking you're going to go win your friends back. Hopefully, your friends come back. There was one time I did have to go into a bar. Someone I had just led to the Lord. And I had no desire for a bar. I just went in there and sat down and had a chat. And I said, come on, let's get out of here. Time to go. It wasn't my Egypt. Okay. So I had no problem going in there and getting them out. But some of us that have friends, we got to get strong in who we are in Christ before we can even attempt to reach them. we got to know that what is implanted in us, planted in us, the Spirit of God that is in us, is doing a work that is evidence to people can see it. Because if you're just like them... If we're just like our old friends do, and we go out and do the same things that they've done, they, there is no inspiration for them to change. There is zero reason why they should change because they, you, you're saved. Oh, you can do that. I guess that's okay. No, you know what? We might lose some friends, but then again, we might gain some souls. We might gain some souls. They're our friends. So, you got to remember that. You might lose some friends when you become with the, one with the Lord and you get saved. I want to say business partners or sports and etc. You can't be unequally equally yoked with them that don't believe in gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not going to make anybody of a church that does not believe that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is Savior and that God raised Jesus from the grave, I'm not going to make them my best buddy. They're my mission field, but they're not my best buddy. I had a a worker being in leadership and work. I had a worker that was a Christian, is a Christian, but however, the growth there was... um, I still sucking on milk. But yet, he... I didn't mind working with him and talking with him and trying to lift him up and encourage. But there was a conflict within me in business that being a leader in work, that it's time to mature in business and work and become more better and more efficient. And there was bucking and there's head buck, you know, yeah, there was conflict all the time. We weren't one in business. Now I have a person now that we are one in business. We are... He's working, we're good, I'm still the boss and we're working together. I'm not even going to get into all the things that I've learned and in being a leader at work. But however, 
that was the first time in my entire life that we came in into, into unity and we agreed that God needed to provide him another job. Man, and it was a blessing for both of us. I tell you what, we agreed on touching one, one thing. You need another job. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> Just like good pastors, it's like when you get people in a congregation butting the head, let's agree that you find the church that you can link up to and become one with because <laughs> too much strife. We don't want strife. You guys are here on a Sunday night. It feels like I'm talking to someone that already got the message and know what we're talking about, walking in unity, because you guys got it. You know it. You're not going to buck against pastors. Because you're going to, you want the glory of God to come down in Barso. You want the glory of God to be seen in this town. Right here. Unity means you can trust. You can trust in that individual. When you are one with someone, when you are one with your spouse, and you are pastors, one with the leadership team, you can trust them that they're not going to go out as a as a pastor, as a leader in the church. You're not going to trust that they're going to break away and try and pull half the congregation away and do their own thing. Oh, oh boy, does it happen. I mean, I spoke 330,000 churches, and I, I can bet you most of them started out with division and disunity. And those churches that are out there, a lot of them, you're supposed to be sending people out. And a lot of them are. A lot of them established other churches through proper channels. But a lot of them broke up in disunity. Not with the pastor's blessing. So that's another reason why people look at us and they, they, at Christians and say, well, we're okay. We can do whatever we want to do. But to become unified as a body of Christ is something that we are going to continue working on every single day. Every single day of our life. Someone you can trust. Can we trust our spouse? Has that trust ever been broken? And how long does it take to gain that trust again? To regain that trust again? It takes time. It can be done with Christ. How many marriages have broken up, but then they got back together, and then they have to fight for that marriage. They have to get back on the same page, becoming one. How many times has individuals, maybe from that is in here now, or maybe that might hear the message later, has left the Lord, has just fallen away, did their own thing, one step at a time, gradually get further and further away from God, come to Jesus, they're called backsliders, they have left God, and now they want, they know that they messed up, but they want to come back. But it seems to be a little more difficult because the devil throws in, you ain't worthy. Look what you did. Look how many kids you got and you weren't in wedlock. Look at all the drugs you did. Look at all the people that you are leading down. Uh, you led down a bad trail. The devil will quickly, without a doubt, remind you how messed up you were. But when you come, I'm Jesus. I am now a new creature in Christ Jesus. All those things are old, and uh, everything has become new. Man, I tell you what, when you grab a hold of those scriptures and those words, when individuals grab a hold of that, 
they just kick the devil in the teeth and he goes around biting, gumming people to death for the rest of his life. Okay? Or gumming you. Who no, knows? Kick him. Do what it takes. I am going to go... One of the most important things... I'm going to... I'm going to stay back there for a second. When we were singing a song this morning, it's something that the Lord shows me when anytime there's a song singing I see more into that into it than that song that's being sung I actually see and and understand that there is depth to that song which us as when we get into worship we should identify that it's not just words on a screen it is there's depth to that and by applying the depth to that and knowing who God is and surrendering ourselves to him miracles can happen I am a very strong advocate for praise and worship because I got filled with the Holy Spirit in praise and worship. I was just worshiping. Nothing. People laying hands on it, nothing happened. I'm just praising God. All of a sudden, bam, my, I started speaking in tongues, crying and bawling. I'm praising God because you know what? I was focusing on His goodness. I wasn't focusing on my problems behind me or the situations or the things in the future. I was totally focused on Him. When we get focused in on Him and worship, your life's going to change. You're going to be transformed into the knowledge of God. You are go- the, the Word opens up to you and now it becomes real. I get it. We have debates with our spouse on our way to church. We have conflicts at our home. But when we come into a place of worship and we forget and say, God, I I may have sinned last night. I may have done something I shouldn't have done last night. I I woke up to the person next to me and that was not my wife. And you you drag your tail into church. First of all, dragging your tail into church at that moment in time, the Spirit of God is not letting you live in that place. He wants to do something in you. But when you take and you drag yourself there, oh God, and you just, and you start singing by faith those words, deliverance can happen. Don't stay out of church because you're feeling bad, because the devil's got you wrapped around his finger. Man, you can come, you can drag yourself in the church, pull yourself in. It doesn't matter how good we are. To worship God. It matters how good He is to worship Him. It's nothing we can do. It's nothing we can say that makes us good enough other than the blood of Jesus to go to God. We forget about those things. When you come to worship, okay, kids are up there. Nursery, take care of them. That's why it's so important to have nursery workers. The youth is over there. So important to have youth workers. Workers in the church. So we can just focus in on what God wants. You know what? Our kids would appreciate it when we get um, revelation of how to love our children more. Because we realize how much God loved us. We got that revelation, how much God forgave me. How much more are we willing to forgive our little ones for spilling water every time they touch it? Or getting secret sauce all over the chair? Or not eating all of their food. I'm not talking about my kids, you know. No. Uh, I tell you what. Or run around the church like they own it. How much more willing are we able to forgive them? Because 
we're worshiping God, and I know you forgive me. I gotta forgive my kids. I gotta forgive my spouse. I gotta forgive. When we become one with God's word, holy moly, our life is flipped upside down if we're gonna make a change. In Matthew 18, 19, and 20, you don't have to go there. When two or more, two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Now, we're talking about two or three. You know, when past, when we're reaching over to pray for someone, you wanna, you wanna know what are we agreeing together with? What can we agree on? Can we agree that well, some people just die and God does not want everybody healed, everybody whole. No, we can't agree with that because that's a contradiction to God's word. We have to agree that God wants you whole, that God wants you set free. The demon that is in you, God wants it gone. The strongholds that are holding you back, God wants those strongholds to be released. When we agree as to touching those things together, God is in the midst. Jesus is right there with us, ready to activate on our words. Ready to make it happen. Oh man, with the power of unity, two or three or more. Can you imagine two or three here? When I'm at work, my worker, born again, loves God. When it's time for me to pray for someone, let's agree. Let's pray. I thank God for someone that loves God in my shop. That's my mission field, okay? And to be up here speaking is a complete honor to be up here speaking and addressing the congregation. You trust me enough to be able to do so, and I thank God that I'm found a little trustworthy to be able to do so. I'm going to talk about a revelation. When we as a church, when we as the body of Christ, have a revelation that our friends that we were hanging out with, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to go to hell. Just because they say they're a Christian and there's no evidence or proof or no fruit or nothing to prove it, they might not make it. We need a revelation as a body of Christ, again, because we get lazy. I've been lazy. Believe me, if I had a mirror, I'd be talking to me right here. Yeah, Chuck, you too. You need to pull your head out and get back into the gospel of Jesus Christ and reach the lost. Don't worry about those things over here or over there on how the business is functioning and that job and that. God said he's going to take care of that. But when we have the revelation that people, our friends, our neighbors, our family is not going to make it into heaven. But when God's put us there in that location, people that work they might not get to heaven. God put us there. Not only does he want to provide for us and show himself strong and give us the ability to give tithe back and to grow and open up the floods to heaven and blessings and talk about the Abrahamic covenant is to show blessings and to show people that we have a God that wants to bless. It is to reach the lost. Touch the souls of those around us. I drove, I looked all over the place in California to try and find a truck. I needed a Dodge Dually. Yeah, I needed. So God said he's going to provide all my needs. Because I'm driving down the road in my nice, cool, lifted Chevy. And I see a, in a vision of a blown out rear tire 
with that much money and that much of a trailer sitting there and coming down, it can go anywhere. I wanted the security of four tires on the rear end. And I looked and I searched and California, God said, don't do it. No, wasting your time. Uh, don't do it. You're wasting your time. Uh, don't do it. You're wasting your time. Finally, my wife sent me a picture of one. Lord said, that's it. Call the guy up. I asked him questions. It was my fault. I called him and asked him questions instead of saying, I will be there. God said that was it. And I knew in my spirit that that was it. I am going to say this because sometime God takes us someplace or further we don't want to go. It's called second mile love. Going someplace you want to go, further than you want to go, when you don't feel like doing it. I went over the, there, just outside of Phoenix, talked to the guy, having cancer issues. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to drive all this way just for a truck. Prayed for that man, laid hands on that guy. We're still in contact. He's fighting. He's doing it. He said he has people fighting. And, but you know what? I took an opportunity to get out of my comfort zone and to do what God wants me to do. When we get a divine revelation that people are living in sickness, living in disease, and people are going to hell, wow, our perspective is going to change. Our outlook on this life, this moment, this little vapor of time that we have on this earth is going to change. God did not call us to be the best jet ski riders in town. He did not call us to be the best quad riders, the best um, baseball player, the best football player. We may be good at all those things, but in that area, we need to look for the opportunity to be who God called us to be. A minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely, 100%, for sure. you got to look for that opportunity. Not only that, some people need to be saved with love. Others need to be saved with fear. Pastor Dave probably knows that scripture. It's back in there. Maybe Titus. I don't know. But anyway, some people need to be told the hard truth about hell. And some people just need a big old fat hug that God loves them. That's for the most case, for the most part. But some people need to be remembered that there is an actual hell. And it's not a figment of wacky Christian's imagination. It's in his word. So, when teachers are teaching, they're teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a heaven and then there is a hell. And we have a destination that we're going to go to. One of these days, what's it going to be? Where is it going to be? Where is it going to go? To go back to the word of the song, nothing can separate us from your love, Lord. I was, I had to sat down and write this while Pastor Dave was up speaking. That is so true. Nothing can separate us from his love. I don't, if anybody has been through a divorce or had a a love, an animal they love go or a loved one disappear and pull away from them. When there is that love that goes away, it's ripping apart your soul and pulling away. And I looked at that and I go, God, is that how you feel 
when someone comes to you and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior, and they fall back, and they leave you? Is there a ripping away? I can only imagine, yes. Because if we are the bride of Christ, and He loves us so much He sent His Son Jesus to die on that cross for our sins, that we can spend eternal life with Him. He lo- And when His children go away, there's got to be a ripping away. And when we got that, when I got that, I had to sit down and write it because there has been pains in my life where there's been rippings away. I had a dog that left me. I had to put it down and there was a hurt. And yes, I was married before and there was a ripping away of the soul when it ended. I was, I never had this, I never anticipated him saying this, but an abortion. I don't know if, I don't know, but I'm gonna say it anyway, because the Spirit of the Lord has me, have me say this. When that baby is removed from the womb, man, there was a tearing away of something special, something precious. And if that has happened, to anybody in here or anybody that listens on that message, there is forgiveness. There, God wants you back more than you can ever imagine. And there is hope for anybody that has stepped away from God. So, I tell you what, prayer, unity, And when we get to praying and we start grabbing together as one church, God's going to establish a leader. God's going to bring leaders, which He's bringing leaders and pastors. But there's still five-fold ministries. We need all five of them to grow till we all come into the unity of the faith. Then once that unity, Jesus goes, Oh, then my bride's ready. Bam. We're out of here. Praise God. I would love to keep on going. But believe it or not, I'm at the end of my message. But I do want to say, if any, if everybody could please stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.